And I should um, point out to the person who's not watching this, which is Naomi Brockwell, because she's running her own first stream in a very long time, exact same time as me. So, so rude. Wow, so you guys are competing right now. That is Yes, which means I'm getting sucks. crushed because she's she got 92 a lot watching. Oxygen, obviously. Yeah, she is. Yeah. She's put out uh, excellent content for years and, quite frankly, a little cuter than you, uh, Joe. Yeah, but uh, that's... It is what it is. It is what it is. I'm going to be... I got to be fine with that comment. Naomi's. But seriously, uh, Naomi's put out phenomenal content for years and has been one of the, like, you know, one of the best content creators in crypto, not just talking about, um, you know, ways that you could uh, profit from crypto, but also a lot of the fan mm -hmm. foundational components, especially privacy. She's been very vocal and yeah. articulate on that front. So very much appreciate uh, Naomi. And if anyone watching hasn't heard of her, Definitely check out her channel, but not right now. After, yes, not right after now. This when we're done, yeah. she'll always be there. After. This is something you can't get exactly. anywhere else. But hi, Naomi. Uh, anyway. All right. So I think we're probably good to get going. We got enough people in the chat. We got everything going. I'm going to run the intro graphic thingy real quick, and then we'll just okay. jump right into things. Hey everyone, happy not Friday. Usually this is show is always on Friday except for the last two weeks because it's the holiday season. Dun, 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 dun. And it would have been Christmas Eve if it was a Friday. And it would have been New Year's Eve if this was a Friday this time. So, But next month we're doing the same schedule. So happy Thursday, happy holidays slash lazy times hopefully for some people. Uh, I'm joined by the one and only Brett Maverick Musser. How's it going, man? Pretty excellent. I'm pretty good. How are you doing? Uh, thanks for having me, and I'm glad we ended up getting to meet finally in person, um, kind yeah, of on same. a whim. Very kind of random, but uh, I've had many, I'm sure you've had many uh, random experiences like that in crypto that have been very yes. positive from people that you've kind of known, you know, on the periphery. So I'm glad we got to link up and, uh, you know, kind of shoot the shit and then continue on here. Um, you know, you weren't able to find anyone more important than me, and I'm glad hey. I kind of feel fill that role you know what i mean you gotta start yeah somewhere. that's fine i mean to be fair uh to be perfectly honest i had quite a few others in my back pocket you were high on absolutely the list for people to reach out oh, thank to you. in fact I, you might have been actually the only person i reached out to for this exact podcast this... slot okay okay might have all been right like, now you know what? a little more special you know what but let I me understand. just talk let me let me talk to this guy and yeah. um it's so real quick I some, some i have some opinions yes Plenty of them. And we'll get to those just a second. Everyone, of course, if you're watching, especially if you're new, subscribe, like the video, pumps it up in the numbers. Um, I should draw your attention. If you're on Odyssey, there's, of course, you can leave a hyper chat, right? You can leave a little comment with some, some credits, some money, and that'll kind of push things up. If you're on YouTube or wherever, whatever else, if you go down here, cointr.ee slash the desert lakes, that's my Cointree page. You can leave a donation and a message, and then that will pop up actually on the screen here, and I'll read those out. I, I am paywalling Brett today. I'll throw him some, some uh, whatever it is, some sats, some duffs, anything for his troubles. But if you want to ask him anything, you got to pay with Piper. So this is how it goes. Of course, if you have a good enough comment in the regular chat that's not <laughs> that's not paywalled, I'll, I'll, I'll you know break my own rules and go through that. But that's just how things work. All right, let's talk about stuff. So, of course, the first one that Let's I think it. is, it's a constant, 
you know, subject in the space, which is the Bitcoin dominance, um, the dominance rate, or, you know, as Jordan Peterson might say, the dominance hierarchy, but hierarchy. Yeah. Lobsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. It. So yeah. Bitcoin dominance is fall under forty percent. I think it might be at forty and a half percent or something right now. I I'm not currently watching it, but yeah. basically Bitcoin's dominance his is approaching record lows, and it appears the trend line to be down. Now that's just just like it's just a random fact of the space, just a random thing going on there. But a lot of people read a bunch into this, whether it's you know, oh, all the shit coins are pumping or, oh, Bitcoin's dying, it's becoming irrelevant or, oh, it's just because it would be even lower if they did, if they counted Hex as good market cap or like there's just a million different takes on this. Yep. I'd Absolutely. love to hear yours. Absolutely. Yeah, um, that's a good question. So, uh, God, where do I start? Um, I think um, what we've seen for the entire like crypto history is basically a... Uh, power law distribution with a mm -hmm. very, very long tail. And you have a pretty like, f you know, fat couple of protocols that collect a lot of value. That's never mm -hmm. really changed. What has changed is uh, Bitcoin's dominance, you know, or I guess, yeah, the, the dominance metrics that people use, which is a, you know, it's a superficial number. So it's easy to criticize, but it's, it's also good to have these like top line, just like superficial measurements. So you can get a kind of pulse of what's going yeah, on. So it's course. not, I think I'm going to, I'm about to give a, maybe like a lawyer non-answer but i think I, yeah, you can great you know you can give uh, i think both perspectives have merit in the sense that there is a, a clear trend right that we we can see bitcoin uh and mm -hmm. I, I think we can project that trend forward as in it'll continue to go down um but that doesn't mean um that bitcoin's uh, social relevance at the time at the same time isn't increasing nor its market cap um and i, I think part of it is a function of one um, the market caps are not, let's say they're not all fungible as in they're not at all, they're not as liquid. You know, I would say Bitcoin's market cap and Ethereum's market cap and other, let's say crypto blue chips are yeah. more liquid, dependable, you know, real in the sense. And the farther you get out on that curve, the more those numbers are, uh, dubious and, um, fragile, you know, for like one seller, one big seller where you don't have that that kind of dynamic in there. Um, but um, I think we're going to, yeah, we're going to continue to see that, that trend of Bitcoin dominance going down just because just from the fact that whether people like it or not, everything is going to be tokenized. And I don't, that's not, I don't, that's not a value judgment as in like, should we tokenize everything? I don't think we should tokenize everything. It's just reading God the damn room, it, right? Seeing where it's God going. God damn it. We're, we're going to try, right? Like yeah. everything. And I mean everything. And that could be anything from something that's really disgusting to something that's actually oh, wow, this is actually a huge um, difference maker. So on, uh, from that perspective, yes, Bitcoin dominance will always go down. But um, that doesn't mean it'll ne ever necessarily be, let's, let's say, unseated, or that if it is unseated, so to speak, in, in uh, mm -hmm. market cap by some platform, that there isn't some battle that goes back and forth, depending on um, market conditions, right? Because in the, uh, let's say, in the crypto universe, Bitcoin is the most risk off besides let's say bracket mm -hmm. the stable coins away bitcoin's the yeah. most risk off i think you would you agree with that right it's I still risk so. on from portfolio perspective but i think it's the most risk off or we'll at least assume that for this discussion um and there's going to be points in the macro environment where um you know people are going to want crypto exposure but 
they're not going to be want to go as far out the risk curve. And then there's going to be other times where it's going to be risk on, you know, animal spirits are going and maybe some platform um, like Ethereum or some other uh, platform momentarily, right? Maybe in the next couple of years actually takes over Bitcoin in, in some capacity. Uh, but that doesn't mean uh, their, their position in the hierarchy is safe. I don't think it's ever safe. And I think that any project that does think that they're safe puts themselves at risk of actually losing that spot. Um, so to not answer the question, yes and no, like it matters, but it's also like Bitcoin's still the king. Um, it has the most, uh, you know, entry points for the community. It even has a, you know, we, we have a nation state that has, um, instantiated as legal tender. So, um, no, uh, it's big, the Bitcoin dominance going down does not indicate Bitcoin losing steam or power I, I think it's just yeah. it's more of the creativity and the unbelievable brain power um and risk-taking that has happened farther away from bitcoin yeah so it seems like um what your perspective is which i would probably share as well is that everything like crypto is taking over the world because everything that's being done is kind of being cryptoified, so to speak and it's just that as the space diversifies, it's just a natural, like, it'd be silly yes. to, to say that just one use case is going to encompass, like, the entire market for a long term. And so I definitely yeah. agree with that that thing. Now, the, the discussion where you start getting with, like, there's a lot of um, Bitcoin maximalists or just single crypto, or some people, and it's not just a, well, Bitcoin is great, everything else sucks, but there's a lot of opinion that over time a lot of these networks and these main protocols will they'll trend to a smaller number and yes you get a lot of you know i would say btc and bsv maximalists in their own different divergent yeah. yet very similar ways saying again i'm not talking about the the people who have like a dumb kind of a dumb way of thinking about this but people have the mm -hmm. i guess the, the smarted the smart educated yet still disagreement on this of well, you know, right now everyone's playing around with stuff just because, you know, but eventually they're all going to coalesce around one chain or a mm -hmm. few chains and we'll see the dominance thing reverse. Basically, the yeah. market dominance thing over a long period of time will end up reversing. And you don't believe that at all, do you? I yeah, I see no evidence of that. I don't mm -hmm. think it's I'm not in the I'm not in a position to be like no, that can never happen because um I think Bitcoin is an, you know, amazing piece of technology with an amazing community that can, uh, you know, the Bitcoin community now isn't the same one, you know, kind of, let's say even five, 10 years ago, um, and it'll keep changing in, into the future. So there might be things that come down the pipeline that actually do reverse that trend that I talk about. I think uh, trends are made to be broken, and that's kind of why, you know, a lot of TA or charting doesn't mm -hmm. fucking work, you know, because like... <laughs> um, you know, and I think that's what, what Michael Saylor's big point to, I don't, I don't know, this is a, a side, uh, side alley and you can keep me kind of, uh, focused, but Michael Saylor was bringing this up to his big point, which I agree with, um, with a guy, he was on a podcast with Keith McCullough. Um, mm -hmm. Keith McCullough was going on about his model cause he's a trader type. Like his model was saying, sell, sell, sell. Um, and, and my, Saylor was trying to get it through his head that like, yeah, you had all this empirical evidence of how Bitcoin trades, but I just got into the market and now you, you just basically had this black swan event that like, you know, uh, fucks up whatever model you think you had. Um, 
Um, oh, I got off track there. Where were we talking? Bring me back uh, <laughs> to where we were talking about. I knew I was going to get off track. If we're going to coalesce back, back into a major network or two. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think so. I remember getting, I guess, you know, when I was uh, a little more doughy eyed and bright eyed getting in, um, I think there was a lot more merit to the case that, you know, there would be this coalescing around Bitcoin because there was this kind of, I, I just think this, uh, this maybe spirit of, uh, infiniteness that was around and playfulness around Bitcoin. And it definitely, the, the culture and the protocol uh, ossified, solidified. And I think there are, yeah, there's obvious um, benefits to that. And let's say drawbacks, but it, the, let's say whatever the drawbacks were, they pr provided this incredible opportunity for other projects to iterate um, kind of infinitely. And I, I do think, but there's also never been the case, and I can't find a case in world history where we haven't had multiple monies and, and it's absolutely true that we've never had it, like it, we've never had a, a point in time where there's been infinite monies used right but we've we've always used um, multiple metals at least gold and silver um, many different let's say pieces of paper you know either states sponsoring pieces of paper or uh, uh, financial institutions sponsoring those pieces of paper or we've used actual commodities like silks um, guns furs uh, shells um, mm -hmm. you know, so we've never had, um, like, uh, this pure, uh, everything just collapses onto one. Now, what is true is that network effects are real. So it's not like you can have, I, I would say the analogy would be, you can't have an infinite number of social networks, but I think it's been proven in the market that like, you can have many. Mm -hmm. And obviously a lot has been sucked into things like, let's say Facebook, Google, um, uh, Twitter, yeah. Pinterest, but that's still, you're still naming a lot. And there's a lot of like, let's say micro um, sub community, sub social media stuff that are still yeah. pretty violent, vibrant. And I think us streaming on the platform that we are now is a case in point. Like, yeah, yeah for YouTube sure. is a like kind of a black hole, but we're still um, operating on these margins. And, you know, we might be on a platform that um, disintermediates, um, YouTube, or maybe there's some other platform, but yeah, I mean, that's uh, a great point, point right that... there because, um, I mean, last I checked Odyssey got around 30 million monthly viewers or something like that. Monthly visitors to the site, yeah. which is respectable. I've been but on there plenty of times compared to YouTube. It's nothing. Good... No. Oh, absolutely. But that but doesn't mean, um, my Odyssey economics don't work. is about neck and neck with my YouTube channel. They're very cool. I, I have promoted Odyssey a lot more, but they're pretty much like the same, like usually around the same number of live viewers, the same number of yep. likes, same number of views. They're very close. Well, so yeah, what you're saying yeah, is you I think can, you definitely yeah. have a different audience, like as in you're competing with all the people that like put on their thumbnail or they're like, you know, Bitcoin to like a hundred K, you know, yeah. that type of stuff. I don't know if you've yeah. seen that. That's what you're competing with and you're never going to win that. You know what I mean? Or on Odyssey is kind of a, a frontier, you know, and you've kind of been on the frontier for a while. So mm -hmm. your audience is definitely more of a frontier type of, of experience. And I think, um, well, like I said, just because Bitcoin is dominant, and I do think there's no reason to believe that it won't be, let's say, dominant going forward relative to any other specific one. But mm -hmm. on the long tail, if you add up all the tokenizations, right, and all the financializations that have gone on in these networks, it's going to... The, the number is going to decline, or mm. in, in in my opinion, and there's nothing. Right, there's everything right like that. Like what happens when we, when real estate becomes goes on chain in a legitimate way? Well, 
real estate is the largest asset class in the world, commercial and real estate or residential together. Right. So if you tokenize, tokenize all that, you know, um, yeah, no one specific, uh, let's say real estate token will be bigger than Bitcoin, but all of them together are or is, yeah. should be and will be. So, and that's kind of a, that's kind of an interesting point. And it's one thing where the big winner, I guess, there's been tons of winners, like every bull cycle has a million winners and losers, right? But more winners than losers. But the big long-term gainer is, of course, Ethereum, which seems to be, you know, eating up a lot of the space. And mm -hmm. it, I think it's kind of interesting that, first off, um, people seem to like what you can do with Ethereum more than what they, more than strictly what you can do with Bitcoin, because with Bitcoin, it's like a more limited number of use cases with mm -hmm. Ethereum. It's like everything. Everything's built on it, especially like DeFi and stuff. And also, yep. how much of the space is built on Ethereum? So like, uh, it's not just yeah. Ethereum. Yeah. It's just like everything else. But then if you, on the other side of things, uh, it's pretty much all the major players in the space that aren't Bitcoin are either Ethereum, built on Ethereum, or built as an Ethereum competitor. It seems like it's just yep, like, yep. and so if you were going to um, take like digital sound money kind of thing, the Bitcoin side of things, which is mostly Bitcoin, there's not really any other good competitors for that, and compare it with uh, the market collective market cap of DApps and DeFi and like the Ethereum, the Ethereum, Ethereum-based stuff and Ethereum competitors. It might be more more even, even, right? Like 50-50 almost? Okay, yeah, so... Uh, Maybe that's too optimistic, yes, but I, I don't know. Um, well, I would say on a lot of metrics, Ethereum has absolutely dominated Bitcoin, but yeah. I want to back up on that point. Uh, and I think it's, it's uncontroversial that they've done over the last like two years, you know, and that mm -hmm. wasn't the case for a long time. You know, there was stuff going on on Ethereum, but, you know, most of the fees were being paid to the Bitcoin blockchain. Most of the activity was on there. Um, but uh, by the end of 2019 and then all the way into this point, like uh, Ethereum just went exponential on a lot of different metrics. But I'll, I'll back up and say that I think um, Ethereum is something that I changed my mind on um, in the okay. sense that when I was first in the space, I was, you know, like first getting in the space. Like I was very hundred percent Bitcoin in terms of like my allocation, you know, or 95%. And then I, you know, I played around with some things just looking around, but uh, you know, I, I was trying to make the, uh, the most risk off risk on decision. Right. And I think Bitcoin was that like uh, spot for me, at least from a financial point of view. And I, I think I made out, but, um, or I made out well, uh, Ethereum really pissed me off the Dow fork or, you know, how they handled yeah. it. And I was still, um, I was also still in the frame of judging it like Bitcoin mm -hmm. um, and some of the things that were sold about it, um, or at least when I say sold about it, you know, I, I think I wasn't close to the uh, fundraising. So it was just secondhand, you know, so that really uh, pissed me off and kind of like uh, I was it was just something I could come back to if there was something good. But um, it seemed like they had, you know, abandoned the ethos of, the, you know, the crypto ecosystem. I, I think that's sort of true today, but um, uh, they've softened the ethos, I would say. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Maybe you think, could say um, Solana has I, abandoned the ethos, but Ethereum's so kind of softened it. Softened, softened. So that's why I've. What I'm saying is I, I've come around because of. Let's just say, 
utility and things that have been demonstrated to me and mm -hmm. a lot of the concerns, let's say four or five years ago that were, I think were valid about Ethereum kind of uh, over the last two years, I think a lot of, if you were a critic, you'd have to eat your words or like you'd have to update it because yeah. those just like there were things about Bitcoin that you could say to criticize it back in the day or dash um, that have been improved since then. Right. And then mm -hmm. there are no longer criticisms um, or really any of these systems. Um, so uh, but Bitcoin, even though Ethereum does all these things, Bitcoin to me is always going to get a higher premium um, because we know that Ethereum has kind of softened a lot of these, let's say, assurances. Mm -hmm. Um, and they've also shown um, uh, just like the, the predilection or I guess, you know, kind of gesturing at we can kind of change things and be a little more flexible. Um, and they've, they've done that. Now, like one of the things that uh, a lot of Bitcoin people don't like, and I think it's a valid concern, is they've fiddled with monetary policy at least four or five times that I know about. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is about every one of them, and I think uh, at least There's this is factually true from what I know. <laughs> they've all been deflationary, right? So mm -hmm. one of the big, let's say this, let's say the historical arguments around sound money is about, and what Satoshi, um, you know, intimated at when he, he was talking about this stuff is that you had to trust the central bank not to debase the currency. So that's what most people are talking about when they're saying something is sound money. They, you, there is not just this like arbitrary entity or person that can just uh, create more units, mm -hmm. right? Without some type of consent. Um, whereas the Ethereum community got consent for a deflationary, deflationary mechanism. So this is kind of like an odd thing where, yes, you want your money that you want your money to be as predictable as possible and have like, I guess, fidelity around that and, and trustworthiness around that. But at the same time, they, they didn't, they didn't increase it. So empirically they've only been, let's say the community in Ethereum has been, uh, creating, let's say, uh, tokenomics that are with uh, value accretive to holders. Um, so I, I think Ethereum is going to always, I guess to wrap this up, it's always going to have to do more yeah, and provide more value to get the same valuation. And I, I don't know if that uh, resonates with you, but like, yes. um, you know, Bitcoin has made, uh, let's say some trade-offs that some people don't like, but in terms of like, in terms of uh, maximum decentralization and maximum, let's say, at least replication of the, like the full, the full history of the blockchain. Uh, it doesn't seem, yeah, like Bitcoin is the, the, the gold standard when it comes to that. So if you're looking for uh, trustlessness as far out as possible, you know, you're going to be going for Bitcoin. Ethereum is going to soften that up. They don't totally abandon it. I reject mm -hmm. the, the point of view that they abandon it completely but they do soften the, let's say those assurances a little bit and the benefit is more like just a lot more utility on top i mean that's just it's just more programmable um like or at least as a user i know i can do more natively on chain um than i can on bitcoin now i know bitcoin has some uh let's say projects either like things like rsk or mm -hmm. um people have talked about lightning as a possible layer for these yeah next generation financial None of that, none of that to me is out of the question as in like, there's no reason mm. why it can't happen. But um, as far as we like, as far as today, like, you know, almost all the uh, energy and excitement and brain power is building uh, smart, con like, you know, a lot of stuff on it. I should say not just Ethereum, but EVM powered chains. 
And like you were yeah. saying before, it's not just Ethereum that's doing well, but a lot of the competitors are either like EVM compatible, right? So people can just copy and paste their code and it's not that easy, but relatively, it relatively works like that. And then you have ecosystems like Cosmos or Polkadot who have, let's say they have chains that are, they're like in Polkadot, there was a chain, I think that, cause they have this auction system um, for, I, I guess, assigning slots uh, for mm -hmm. their architecture. You know, they're gonna, I, I think, Polkadot's planning on having a, a hundred different blockchains and connecting them all, you know, all that, all that type of uh, sci-fi, uh, <laughs> sci-fi bullshit. Right. But uh, it could be something. And the one, I think the parachain that won the first auction was EVM compatible. So of course, um, just like Bitcoin, like it's not going away. Cause like, even if you thought BTC was going to fail, there might've been other, you know, there are these other derivative coins and forks of Bitcoin. If it wasn't Bitcoin, that was going to, you know, was going to make it, there's going to be one of these uh, interpretations of it. So I think that's a, a sign of quality. And I think, you know, people have, have mentioned that before, but the, the continual forking of the EVM and Bitcoin just add to its, its dominance. Yeah. And so that kind of to wrap up on that, that subject, cause like Bitcoin versus Ethereum and stickiness in the market is kind of a, like a five hour topic. I'm sure if you wanted to go that far, yeah. but the other thing is, so it seems like everyone's the stuff that's built on Ethereum and there's more Ethereum competitors. Here's my open question, which I'm not necessarily sure about. So the thing about Bitcoin is nothing is built on it really. I mean, there's, mm -hmm. there's forks of the code base for sure. And, mm -hmm. but, and there's things that are denominated in Bitcoin, like index funds or whatever else. There's, you know, it's kind of like the main trading pair of crypto outside of like yep. Tether, let's just say, or USD yep. or something. Yep. So there's some stickiness, but as far as like on a structural level, Bitcoin has no stickiness. It's just people own it, companies own it, people support it, or little stickiness. Now, on the other hand, Ethereum, where everything like DeFi is being built on Ethereum, it's not just DeFi supports Ethereum, it's running on Ethereum. So many things Absolutely. like NFTs and stuff are running on Ethereum. So whereas like you can just have a CeFi, a centralized exchange, just support a different token that easily, you can kind of dump Bitcoin, even though the actual monetary properties of it, the actual history of it, the actual everything else is not replaceable. Technologically, it's just like support a different asset. Whereas with Ethereum, you can't just like sh shut down Uniswap and then do a different thing. Like there's... So basically, in the future, a giant backbone of the financial system of the future will literally be probably built on Ethereum or something like it, or but probably Ethereum, at least in the short term. Now, does that make, if say Ethereum gets to the number one spot, does that make Ethereum's spot more secure at number one than Bitcoin's because everything's built on it? Or does it make it less sticky because it has to run, whereas Bitcoin doesn't really need to work super well the transactional system, and therefore it's yeah. easier to just say let's let's build on something other than Ethereum because these fees are insane. Um, yeah, I I mean, I think I share your uncertainty on that. As in, I'm gonna you know uh, punt on that, right? Because mm -hmm. I um, both of those like point of view is in. Uh, Ethereum has to do more, um, but it's also stickier and can do more. Um, Bitcoin doesn't have to do as much. 
um, I, I really don't have a, a strong opinion on that, right? Like I, I think I'm, uh, I'm wait and see on that because, um, yeah, I think that's a history waiting to be written. But I do what I kind of envision um, is this um, almost brotherly back and forth um, that Bitcoin and Ethereum have. Um, and obviously mm -hmm. it gets heated between not the protocols themselves, right? The, the protocols are not conscious of it. Maxis you know, the maxes on both sides. <laughs> but if you, exactly, like uh, for me, I've never seen them as totally separate because um, one, Bitcoin is, you know, like I said, it's the king um, and mm -hmm. it is the reason for the season, so to speak, whatever alt season is, uh, Bitcoin is the reason for it. And um, you know, Ethereum to me is a Bitcoin project. Uh, Vitalik was a writer for Bitcoin Magazine. He's er, uh, an early kind of uh, you know, user, knowledgeable person. Uh, Gavin uh, as well. I guess, is it Gavin York? Is that Wood or Gavin Wood? Yeah, I think it's Gavin mm -hmm. Wood for Polkadot. But um, um, yeah, what is it called? Uh, well, anyway, it's all. Yeah. So. Um... I mean, that's probably enough on that subject enough. It was, again, yeah. a million hours on this thing. Uh, but w on the DeFi subject, right, we can go to the next one, which is on CeFi, right? CoinOne will stop withdrawals to unverified external wallets. So essentially, CoinOne, which is a big exchange from South Korea, is now halting withdrawals to basically non-KYC um, external wallets. So yep. basically that means if you did not give your identification or if you cannot otherwise prove that the funds on your coin one account are yours, they kind of keep them <laughs> like, you know, you lose your yeah, freaking yeah. money. And that's kind of where we're at today. And that is a very, I guess, a very chilling thing that's happened a few different times and increasingly going on. Uh, yeah. I'm definitely going to say this is probably going to, I think, centralized exchanges are almost gone as far as crypto to crypto. I think that centralized exchanges are going to just be fiat on ramps in the future, well, well, in the nearish future. But go ahead. Well, <laughs> yeah, what's the, uh, what's the timeline on that? So uh, I think I agree, but mm -hmm. I do think that's kind of a long way away. Um. That's By a long I, way, I agree mate. that's the ultimate end state, but, but how, like, I'm thinking you're more correct, you know, in five to 10 years than you are in the next couple years. Yeah. Um, I think, I, I think I they're going to be very, they're still going to be very relevant for a long time because, uh, yes. maybe not on swaps though. I think from a they're going to, yeah, there's like, I, I have faith in things like, you know, Coinbase, uh, being able to navigate from, let's just say what they started off as and what they're going to be. Um, yeah, I can see them transforming in a lot of different ways. And I think you might be right that the, the crypto to crypto swaps, um, we're going to have enough, let's say native on-chain infrastructure for that. And let's say self-custodial services and peer-to-peer -peer markets that I think um, hopefully a lot of their, uh, a lot of the revenue uh, from their crypto swaps gets eaten up and they have to move on to, higher value added uh, services, which I think they will do. But uh, so I agree, I agree with you, just not, I don't see it happening in the next like four years, you know? I think they're gonna, they're still gonna be a massive, massive mm -hmm. part of the industry. 
Yeah, um, definitely. So I kind of thought that when I when I saw DeFi come around, I kind of saw I kind of thought it'd be farther out than I kind of do today. So I definitely you know five to ten years before this whole thing, before basically centralized exchanges are how no one trades their cryptos just fiat on ramps. But yeah, I think in the yeah. next like literally the next two years, like by the time we have the next bull market, most of the action is going to be on DeFi. I just oh that's my absolutely that's my that's gut not, feeling. I 100 percent agree with you. 100 percent agree. With you, you know, it's another data. It's not even going to be close. It's that not even I be didn't close. understand until like i guess recently like last few months which means i'm a dummy and i'm slow to this kind of stuff but i like binance smart chain i never got i was just like what is this someone has their own token yeah. and stuff yeah. now i get it binance is just okay. moving it on DeFi. like they're just they're just ahead of the curve they just said you know what our business model as binance is about to be extinct and maybe not maybe a few years off, but you know, CZ is a very smart man. And he's just like, you know what? I'm going to migrate all my stuff that I can onto this, like barely DeFi thing. And yeah, yeah. There That's, we go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, the most, let's say successful capitalists are either one, they build like a massive moat or wall around whatever it is that they're doing. Right. And get some type of monopoly profits for a certain amount of time. Or they're in the mindset of like, they're looking to critique or disrupt some system, you know, or, or mm -hmm. and then if, as soon as they become part of the system, they're looking to, because they know there's other predators out them like, like them um, that mm -hmm. are looking to disrupt them. So they get ahead of the curve and write the proverbial disrupt yourself kind of thing. Um, and I think like you, what's smart about it is not necessarily that finance smart chain is um, going to be the end all be all, but you're just going to, you're at least going to learn a shit ton. Um, mm -hmm. And with a chance for like just maximum upside, right? Cause you, you have to, you have to roll when you have to roll your own blockchain and, you know, create your own developer ecosystem and stuff like that. I'm sure like Binance and the team around there developed all types of, let's say insight skills on, blockchains, how they work, their deficiencies, what can be optimized, what can't be. And then you can all, like, not only could Binance Smart Chain be something special, I don't know if it ever will, mm -hmm. but um, you're just gaining, let's just say very, very, um, yeah, very, very good hands-on experience and knowledge that amount allows you to, I think, allows them to make uh, allocations across the space, you know, not just in Binance Smart Chain. They, they can... Mm -hmm. Uh, kind of see through a lot of the bullshit and allocate capital effectively because there's a lot of opportunities, but there's so much, you know, there's also so much junk in there. Um, so having very hands-on knowledge and having a hands-on team and even having your own platform, if that works out, amazing. If it doesn't, well, you tried and you learned a lot and you might've been able to, let's say, uh, surf on the next wave within crypto, which the waves are traumatic for anyone that's worked in the industry. Um, in the sense that like they come from all different directions at all different times. Um, you don't know what they are, but you just know that there's going to be changes, um, new projects, new ways of talking about new words, all, all types of stuff. So uh, kudos to them. I, I, I've never really used Binance Smart Chain, but they are able to bootstrap an ecosystem like that um, and kind of 
you know, I'd say awkwardly incorporate into Binance, but I think it'll get better and better over time. And whoever's been bullish on BNB, I mean, they made out, right? So, yeah, I mean, this is another thing that's interesting to point out. So, um, cryptofees.info, right? It's a great site. Yes. Great stuff. Yes, yes. Uh, number one on crypto fees by just a giant margin is, of course, Ethereum. The one day yep. fees. Let's just take the one day fees because, yeah, whatever. It's today, right? That today, the one day fees, 46 million in one day fees on Ethereum, right? Yeah. A lot of money. Yeah. Number two is Binance Smart Chain at 2.8 yep. million. It's very real. It's very and real. And then third, well, and you, you skip over like a couple of the protocols, you know, that are, you know, the exchange, the DEXs yeah, yeah. Like and go to the next chain like is Bitcoin at 767,000. So yep. Binance Smart Chain is several times generating larger fees than Bitcoin right now. More, I guess, money behind the usage thereof as far as transactions are concerned, right? And yep. I mean, we'll just save the commentary on Bitcoin because Bitcoin is a lot of what people use it for is literally not moving it. But compared to Ethereum, that's like, it's not 10, it's not 10%, but it's like 5%, 6 7%. And... The next biggest competitor is Avalanche, which is like 12% of Binance's. And so now, well, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think uh, I think that uh, highlights my point of like, oh, well, why is Bitcoin uh, trading at that premium? And it's because, I mean, one, there's mm -hmm. just uh, more familiarity with it. Yeah. Uh, so familiarity is good. I think also you just can't compete with the origin story. Um, and then yeah, there are more identifiable centers of power, especially for, um, yeah, other things where the centers of power and Bitcoin are a little more opaque, right? It's mm -hmm. hard to like, as an outsider, look in where something like Ethereum has a little more and then Binance Smart Chain has a lot more. So, um, you know, they've made a lot of trade-offs to, to, let's say, boost that functionality now and people are using it. But fundamentally, like, especially for Binance Smart Chain, you're putting in a lot of, you're putting a lot of faith into yeah, some very, CZ. very concentrated centers of power, right? To get that extra uh, expressiveness, functionality, performance, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera, where Bitcoin is really like, you know, uh, it's definitely closer to like your uh, trusting math and economic incentives more than like specific power centers um, where, you know, they're just much more identifiable in Binance Smart Chain less so in ethereum's case but more so than in bitcoin you know where you, there are these like you know let's say more identifiable clicks and let's say uh a proclivity to tinker and change so from a monetary perspective you know people that are looking for a store of value even if you make it deflationary it's just like just don't touch my money right like we don't want any mm -hmm. uh updates or anything like that and i think that's a you know bitcoin really instantiate a, a very they 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 uh they carved themselves a corner of conservatism. And I think that really helped uh, Bitcoin focus and it allows others to kind of fill the gap um, in a way, you know, we had something conservative that we could all really depend on, right? And even mm -hmm. if they went overboard, um, that overboardness might've been necessary to uh, kind of get people overboard. And I'd also say, I think this is another point, like, um, Bitcoin to me has always been like the, and I don't even know if this is 
true, but you know, the old story of like the Bering Strait where, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, uh, you know, uh, our elders, our ancient elders came over uh, through that land bridge mm -hmm. to another continent, right? And at the time they didn't have, so we all know, or I should say, we should know that moving by water is much, or air is much faster than going over a land bridge walking, yeah. right? But they didn't have that technology at that time, right? So they had to use what they had and they, they didn't know how to get there. So maybe this other side, you know, this other side is DeFi, you know, and freedom or whatnot, but their Bitcoin is the biggest bridge. It's the most trusted bridge and everyone knows pretty much it's not going to like, it's not going to falter. And I think yeah, it's gonna be that, around that's like, that psychological, um, that psychological, uh, it's like a psychological anesthetic. You just feel, feel better. And that's part of finance is like, not feeling bad about your position, you know, feeling yeah. comfortable in it. So well, let's and then zoom Ethereum in on is the, just, um... Ethereum is a lot. It's just a lot to handle. Like, you know, Bitcoin might be, let's say, you know, weed or LSD and like Ethereum's <laughs> like ayahuasca, right? It's a lot. Yeah. So people have to first get over that, <laughs> that one bridge, which is really mm -hmm. hard. I mean, you see how people react to crypto of course, uh, and you've seen it all, you know, I mean, it's very like, it's like, it's like Bitcoin hurt their family or something, the way people <laughs> react. You know, like, you know, someone sexually assaulted them in the Bitcoin community or something, you know, that's how people, re or even crypto, that's mm -hmm. how people react to like the suggestion that it could be a good idea. Um, so let's, so comparing Ethereum yeah, yeah. and Binance though, is the interesting part, because when you look at the seven day fees, Binance is about, yeah. is close to 10% of Ethereum's fees. Now, I think that Ethereum's well over 10 times as expensive as Binance or somewhere yeah. close. I'm not too far off. So judging by that, basically the two, as far as raw transactions are being probably used almost a similar amount. Like Binance is, Binance Smart Chain is almost at Ethereum levels of just usage. Although people tend to be based on the fees, obviously tend to value doing the same amount of business, same business on Ethereum more. But we're already starting yes. to become very competitive with just one Ethereum competitor. And so, like, what happens when, let's just say, buy a smart chain, let's just assume it's going to be that one, although that's a weird a weird assumption. But let's just say it gets to half of Ethereum's fees with clearly hey, a, lo a lot more usage. Crypto, right? Yeah, and then at that point, it's just like, okay, is Ethereum, is Ethereum going to be the new financial system quickly enough to avoid being supplanted on the scramble to the top. And I mean, I don't, yeah, so I don't know this if is that's, Mike. yeah, I'm not as confident on yeah. that. Um, you're right. I, but I do not think it the, let's say the performance is fungible, you know, one-to-one, -one, but you know, kudos to them. You're right. Like they, they have been um, producing successful applications. Uh -huh. uh, I would say, um, you know, just like a lot of Bitcoins copycats, they're, their forks and um, in the, the the applications on Binance and and if someone has let's say an example that they can prove me wrong but from what I know a lot of the let's say innovative applications um, oftentimes are coded and and uh, you know released on the Ethereum EVM um, and a lot of that stuff is copied and forked you know copy paste um, and like like I don't see so a, a good example would be like the sophistication of something like Uniswap and uh, its iterations over time from Uniswap V1 to V2, V3. I don't see those type of, and for people that do know, like the progression of Uniswap and how mm -hmm. it works, you know, it's just a very, uh, let's just say that 
Uniswap Labs team is a very, very capable engineering team um, mm. that knows how to optimize financial markets and optimize uh, let's just, uh, blockchains, uh, blockchain mm. use. Um, I don't see those type of saying, and I could, I think there are other examples like that in Ethereum. Um, so I think it, it really comes down to like uh, creativity and brain power and who's got the developers. Yeah, um, of course. Now there's nothing, but there's nothing in what I said. There's no law of nature that says that can't switch, you know, right? Like, so that's what I'm saying. None of these, I don't think any blockchain ecosystem should just like rest on its laurels. Yeah, no one's safe. Everything. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I mean, it's really hyper capitalism. Every little area of economic activity that you can't cover, someone's going to try to cover it. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. That's good. Right. And, and you don't have to, there's no reason Ethereum has to chase all of that or get mad that Binance Smart Chain is doing whatever. It's actually a great compliment. Um, and they're a lot of the, the apps on there are just, you know, they're Ethereum copycats. Nothing wrong with that. You know, uh, copy paste is one of the best inventions ever. Um, mm -hmm. But it's not, to me, it's not something that like, until I see otherwise has a chance to, um, let's say out develop, out engineer and, you know, um, yeah, Ethereum is definitely Manhattan, as in, I think you get stronger assurances over some of your past transactions that you than you would over Binance Smart Chain. Um, mm -hmm. Now that maybe that changed in the, the last, I don't know, a couple of weeks, but I, I don't think it has. Um, yeah. So that, that would be my take on it. Like, I think it's a human, uh, human talent question. And I've seen mm -hmm. just, uh, just like I saw in early days of Bitcoin, you could see this like, convergence of, uh, let's say, software, developer talent, um, let's say, like, uh, libertarian political awareness mm -hmm. talent, um, and, um, you know, let's say financial talent, and I, you get some of the same stuff. Um, yeah, getting pulled into Ethereum, too. And I think they have uh, the lead on that. But like, I would never be like, oh, Ethereum developers are all amazing. And BSC developers, you know, they just can't like light a you know, they, they can't compete. I, I, I don't know that. I just, from what I've seen, uh, I haven't seen some of the more innovative, like, uh, you know, apps. And if any, yeah. if I'm wrong and yeah, please, anyone, I'm always down to check out. I think there's, um, uh, yeah, there's interesting people in almost every ecosystem. All right. Well, uh, this is probably a good time to wrap it up, huh? Let's sure. shill things. Okay. What do you got to shill for me? <laughs> well, what I are you working that, uh, on? What do you want to, where can people follow you? All that kind of good stuff. Yeah. So shill, shill warning. Um, so I work, I'm a contributor on a project called X token. And uh, the simplest way to describe X token is a, I'd say DeFi product studio and um, yeah, creative studios. And we're creating next generation financial products. And specifically mm -hmm. what those are, are, or at least for the last are tokenized strategies on Ethereum. So, um, and tokenized strategies have come in two forms. One are staking. So a specific example would be staking Aave. Um, mm -hmm. And the engineering team would basically create, create a wrapped version of the, the staking process um, mm -hmm. that has a lot of different benefits, which I won't go into. And then we also, um, have tokenized liquidity strategies, which are basically um, uh, ERC-20s that represent um, a, a, a certain position in a Uniswap B3 pool. And what's 
what's interesting about V3 compared to yeah. V2, and I don't know, Joel, how uh, familiar with it uh, you are or your audience, but mm -hmm. basically the, the, the difference is when you, uh, in V2, if you were providing liquidity to a pool, you could be lazy. Yeah. V3, you have to make a decision. Okay. So, and the decision can have, it has financial consequences, both good and bad. So before in V2, mm -hmm. you just put in your liquidity and basically what happens is, and I guess this is done uh, yeah. theoretically or mathematically, your liquidity is spread across the entire price curve, which mm -hmm. is very inefficient, right? Cause not hardly any asset asset pairs trade from zero to infinity, right? They usually come within some range. Mm -hmm. uh, V3 has liquidity providers pick their price range. So you're going to be like, okay, I think die ETH is going to stay in this range yeah. and I'm going to provide liquidity for that range. So as soon as the price moves out of that range, you're not earning any fees. When it mm -hmm. is in that range, you're, you're earning a lot of money. So we build on, so that, that basically opens up the design space for, uh, let's say protocols like ours that create uh, financial assets um, to basically create these um, uh, tokenized strategies that represent an LP position in um, uh, a Uniswap V3 pool. And what uh, we also are changing the formatting on it because another difference, and this is like, I guess, a standardization thing or a data format thing. I don't even know how to describe it, but basically mm -hmm. before when you were a lazy LP in Uniswap V2, um, you had every, yeah, every LP's position was fungible, right? Everyone was equal with everyone else. Everyone was on the same price curve. With Uniswap V3, it's a non-fungible position. So yeah. you basically, we, we're turning a, uh, an NFT into an ERC-20, and that has some ancillary benefits to that. So the long story short, short is um, XTK is a, I'd say, yeah, a development studio that creates either financial products uh, for protocols to, uh, to access DeFi capital markets and users that are looking for, um, let's say, tokenized yield, um, e even some lending or even uh, leveraged, um, leveraged strategies. So that's another uh, uh, strategy that we offer where you could go 2x, 3x long um, Ethereum. Mm -hmm. so, so what's the uh, site? There's a lot of different. What happened? Sorry, so what's the website for that? xtoken.market xtoken.market and that's just yes. just xtoken.market yeah and then our, our ticker symbol is xtk um, mm -hmm. i my my personal position on there is protocol analyst so something that mm -hmm. we've been doing um is it we're very engaged in and i'm very engaged in different protocols governance within DeFi. Mm -hmm. so yeah. what's going on in the background if people are aren't aware um, almost every protocol, you know, just like Dash has an improvement proposal system and, you know, mm -hmm. Bitcoin, almost every, every one of these projects has a improvement proposal system. Uh, users or interested parties are going to offer, you know, some type of plan and uh, something that they want to do to improve the proposal, to, to improve the protocol. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, on something like Aave, I would be someone and maybe someone else from my team. We're going to review those um, uh, those uh, AIPs, and then we're going to either vote yes or no, depending on our uh, point of view on that protocol, given our, let's say, protocol mandate around um, what we've basically communicated to our, our users. So, um, and then I, I 
handle a lot of internal external comms answering any questions that people have and, and partnering yeah. with protocol other protocols but um yeah xdk is a project microcap um and we're you know kind of deep in DeFi. we're we're building on top of other dApps, right? There's there's kind of like three layers there where you have uh, Ethereum as underlying mm -hmm. layer. You have these other, let's say, applications on top like Uniswap, and then we're building on top of uh, on top of Uniswap. Um, and there's a yeah. lot of other professional market makers like us that basically, I, I think the, the big takeaway from this stuff is that anyone with a Ethereum wallet mm -hmm. and an inter internet connection can get access to um, pretty complex financial instruments where, you know, in the traditional world, um, to even create these assets, you probably have had to go into Wharton or some type of, uh, let's say Ivy league, um, uh, feeder school. Yeah. Um, and then you'd have to g get hired by some type of institution that is chartered by some other, let's say government institution. And then they could only really sell these products, um, to, uh, accredited investors, wealthy individuals. Right. Mm -hmm. Because the plebs are not uh, intelligent enough to make their own kind of investment decisions. So um, applications like X token and, you know, and we're using Uniswap heavily um, get you access to yield that you can't get in the traditional financial system. Um, and we allow anyone to really access these DeFi capital markets, which are pretty insane. And there are, let's just say, a whole range of strategies from very risk off stable coin LPs, you know, where you can get consistent good yield, um, which is hard. You, it's impossible to find in traditional finance and everything. And then you can also go, you know, three X long leverage long ETH. Mm -hmm. um, so we're kind of covering the, the risk spectrum there and, you know, iterating as fast as fast as possible. So where could people follow you specifically? Like Twitter. Yeah. So I'm, let's just say, yeah, drop Twitter, your Twitter and let's wrap Twitter, that up there. At my Twitter is at Brett Maverick. So B R E T T M A V E R I C K and then underscore. And mm -hmm. then I'm also in the X token discord. So if you have any questions about uh, X token, I can, I can answer it uh, in the uh, Twitter DMS or even on discord. So uh, yeah, hit me up and uh, yeah. thanks for having me, Joel. I appreciate it. Well, fantastic. Well, everyone like comment, share, subscribe. If you're watching the other podcast for the first time ever, it's not the same link in Odyssey. You have to go out and open the actual other link that I have because they actually did scheduled streamings for the first time this week. So that's awesome. It's so yeah, everyone uh, follow Brett. He's a cool dude. Chat with him, all that stuff. Harass him on Twitter. Don't call him names though. And yeah, yeah everyone else, I mean, I'll yeah. I'll see you either in you know five minutes or so for the next podcast, or I'll see you next week. Uh, bye, everyone. Have a good one. Have a good new year. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe so you don't miss an episode and donate to support the show by going to my Cointree page. That's cointr.ee slash the desert links and leave a message with your donation. Check out the show's sponsors. Live on crypto with BitRefill. Buy absolutely anything with crypto with ShopinBit. Avoid content censorship with Odyssey. Protect your privacy online with NordVPN. Get paid to search with PreSearch. All links are in the show notes.